blessing to be able to come and share in the Word of God and to hear music and from the heart being sung. Today we're going to look at the gospel, um, just according to James, the brother of Jesus. In this gospel, um, we find some practical usage of how do we, as doers of the Word, live. And here we'll see through his writings, inspired by the Holy Spirit, how we are to live as Christians in the day that we find ourselves in, as found James, the first chapter, the 17th verse. And it reads, it's, and it says, For every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so therefore get rid of all the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it will be blessed in what he does." And if anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight ring on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see the grace unfold in our lives, that we may claim the purpose and the perfect gift you give and the promise that you have bestowed through Christ. Lord, let us be a people who accept this gift, knowing his purpose in our life. In Jesus' holy sweet name we pray. Amen. We, he's describing the gospel as a gift, a gift that God gives to us, and that form of the gift is in Jesus Christ. James being the brother of Jesus, he watched his brother grow. He knew he was special. The whole family knew he was and James is considered the first bishop of the church there in Jerusalem. So he is writing about something he knows in a very intimate way, his relationship with Jesus. In a way, you could say that our, uh, not only our spouse, but especially our children, we see them as a gift. And they're a gift that we claim in our life and they mean so much to us. And we love them so much. So James is describing how we as doers of the word are called to be people who accept the gift God gives and then we live our life and we give that gift to other people. And so he describes it and he says, do not be deceived, every good and perfect gift is from above. In other words, the good stuff, the good things, the good people that are in our life are there because of God not because of us or because of half and chance. God is the giver of the gift of good. So whenever you see good, hear good, or you are good, God is involved in it. God is intimately involved in your life. He is offering things that are good for us to claim. 
And in the scripture, he's describing good not as, uh, you know, a product that is good. You know, some products are better than other products. Uh, it seems like every time they have a new product, it's new and improved, like the other was old and no good. Well, the truth is, the good here is not a product that can be uh, somehow made in a new invention. It is not a product that can be somehow enhanced. It is a product that has flawed us, and God makes us good, where we are better because he is better. So we need to understand the direction in which this gift is coming, is coming to us. The reason people uh, are afraid of the gospel is the gospel demands they accept that gospel. When we bring Christ and bring good, uh, it's, it's a moment a person chooses, and sometimes people are hesitant to accept because they think their strings attached. They think somehow that this gift is not truly an unconditional gift. But God's gift to us is an unconditional gift. He's given it to us. It's called grace, and everyone receives it. Good happens to everyone. Uh, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's not just the good people. Good things happen to bad people because God is offering his good and perfect gift. It's from above and it's coming down from the Father. So the gift has a purpose and that purpose is us. That purpose is what we're called to in our lives that God has given us this gift. And then he describes this interesting concept that I had to look into and I had to pull the words apart and look at the sort of word origins. He calls it the shifting shadows, the turning. Now the ancients knew that the heavens turned. They could look at the moon and see it rotate, the sun rotate. And so what he's describing is the turning of how things in life, they continue to turn and they change. But this gift from Christ does not change. It's the same as it's always been. Even from the time I was a little boy, I was 12 years old in the little town of Bridgeton. We had a wonderful youth leader there. Uh, and it was my birthday, which um, is always important to a kid. And so they gave me a money tree. Can you believe that? They gave me a tree that was about that high with money, with coins all on it, taped on it. And here I am pulling off the coins and I'm counting the money and I'm just so happy. That was a gift that just, just was keep on giving. I was happy because I was pulling those coins off and, and I was sitting there and here I am at my birthday and I'm receiving this gift from the church and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to buy me some barbecue potato chips with this. Do you like barbecue potato chips? I sure do. Nothing like a good barbecue potato chip. Now if I hear crunching, I know somebody's out there munching, so I'll be watching you. See, it's a gift that keeps on giving. See, Christ uh, has given us something in his love that isn't just for a season. It's every day. It's not just when we're suffering in grief or loss. It's every day. God is there in the sunshine as well as the rain. So no matter what the shifting shadows the scripture says, God is there. He chose us with this purpose in our life. He chose us and he has given us birth through this word of truth that he has created in us a first fruit. In other words, we're the best because God is the best. God doesn't select second best or third best. God gives the best and he expects the best. 
So with that being said, and we know the purpose, and James is describing this, let's unfold it a little bit more and understand what this perfect is that James is sharing with us. He says, my dear brothers, notice how he takes it a little bit deeper now. And he says, my dear brothers, take note of this. In other words, I'm about to share something else. And this is a wisdom you need to know as the first Christians and the first church. That was the first church there in Jerusalem. That was the first set of Christians that had gathered there in the days and the weeks and the months after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. So here James is describing how we should conduct ourselves, and this is good advice, and believe me, even though it's 2,000 years later, we still need to hear this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That, uh, that just hits home right there. Quick to listen. Uh, I don't know if our culture right now is quick to listen. They're too busy shouting at each other, aren't they? They just don't listen to anything. It's a shame that people are just so hard-headed and not able to hear what God is saying. But God will get our attention before it's over with. It may come in a rumble underneath our feet, or it may come in a clap of thunder up above us, or it may come in another form we never expect. But God is going to get our attention, and he's going to say, you need to hear what I have to say. So we need to be quick to listen, then slow to speak. Now, John Wesley described that a little bit more. He said, use words only if necessary. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I go to a preacher's meeting and I've never heard so many words. You know, preachers just talking, people, they just talk all the time. Talking here, talking there, talking here, talking there. And I kind of sit back and listen. And I'm trying to pick up on what's going on. And what I'm hearing is that they're, they're, well, they're frustrated because people are going through tremendous temptation. It's such a troubled time right now that even though it seems like we should be the most blessed of all times, it seems there's a curse that's going on. And these preachers, they're talking about it and they're speaking and they're showing their anxiety. And they look at me and they wonder why I'm quiet, you know, during the meetings. The reason I'm quiet is I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to get into that. There's times I will, but I don't want to get into that. I've got nothing to march about other than Jesus Christ. I don't don't want to go tear something down. I want to build Christ up. What is wrong with this culture? I mean, they've been blessed. Why, Why can't they see that? I mean, I've got a money tree up here, people. A money tree. And that value is Christ, and he keeps giving to me. He's the gift that always gives, no matter where I am in life, no matter if I'm up or I'm down. And I've been both. Kids, you know what that means to be up and to be down? You ever, you ever had it where you wake up and everything is just, just good, everything is fine, everything is wonderful? And then some days you get up and it's like nothing you do happens, it just... It breaks down, it doesn't work. I was coming out of the mountains one time, going down to do a workshop, and it was pouring rain, and my wipers decided to give out. So I'm sitting there driving on the interstate with no uh, you know, wipers, and those mountain thunderstorms can get rough. And so I've got my head hanging out the window now. I've got my head hanging out the window of my truck. This was years ago. So here I am driving down the interstate with my head out the window getting soaked. I mean, I'm just, brain is pouring. 
and, and just something's beeping in my truck and I pull over and it's the back door and somehow there's a child safety thing going on back there that I didn't really know was there and somehow it had got switched and I was playing with the thing and it somehow it broke, I think, and I couldn't close the door because the, it, it was locked and it wouldn't close. And then I said, well, I'll go around to the other side and see what's going on. And the other side did the same thing. So both my back doors are open and it's pouring rain and people are flying by not paying any attention to me. And, I, and so I'm driving to the, just to just a place right down the place there. There's somebody who's an auto mechanic. They got more brains than me about these things. And so I get on the highway with my back doors. I'm, I'm having to, I took a, like a thing and I hooked them and it's a bungee cord. And here I am driving down the interstate. And I figured the way my luck was going, a policeman was going to stop me and said, are you crazy? And I would say, yes, sir. I am totally, completely crazy. See, sometimes the gift that uh, it keeps on giving isn't a good gift. Sometimes it's the world's sin and it gets us into trouble. And, and James is saying this is how we get through it. We are quick to listen. We're slow to speak and we're slow to become angry. I, I, um, I watched this special on Bobby Knight the other night and I don't want to pick on any person. But that man got anger issues. He's just angry at everybody. I mean, he was angry at his players, and now it could have been a skewed report. It may not have been fair to him. I don't know how his heart really is, but what I saw evidence of was a man who just was angry. He was angry at his players, and he was angry at the world. And I'm sitting there thinking, why, why are people so angry? You can see it in our culture. Why are they angry? It's in their eyes. You could see it. For a man's anger does not bring about a righteous life that God desires. So if people want to whip up a win, they're going to get a whirlwind. This anger will only lead to destruction. I used to, when you had anger in school, they'd put you in timeout. I guess teachers still do that. They all put students in timeout. Used to, they'd make the student wear a dunce cap. Yeah, do y'all get to put a dunce cap on? No. I'm not saying anything. My head too big for a dunce cat. Too big, too big. I never had to sit there and ride a thousand times something. No, sir, I didn't. And I learned a good way to do that. There's an art to doing that, but I don't know anything about it. And usually I was not the guilty party. I just got thrown in with them because I don't know why. See, therefore, get rid of all moral filth, James is saying. This is to the early church. He's trying to lay out how we're going to get through this. He's saying you need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and do not become angry. Let it become the last resort and even then depend on God. He's saying do not let any moral filth or evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that God has planted in you because that word will save you. So the purpose of the word reaches its perfection in humility not in action. Even though we're called to be doers of the word, us being perfect Christians isn't doing perfect things. It's having a perfect heart. That's the basis of the Christian faith. It's the heart. It's just like the song. It's just like our lesson today. It is the heart that matters. We do not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves 
you should do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now let me touch on it. I'm going to touch on it. I won't stay there long. I don't want to embarrass anybody or make anybody feel bad about it. But it has... Why are people taking so many pictures of themselves now? <laughs> selfies. Selfies. It's selfies, 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 selfies. Everything's a selfie. Oh, my Lord. Uh, don't you know what you look like? <laughs> Hadn't you ever been and held a mirror behind your head and saw a bald spot right back here that I got? And I, don't you know what you look like? Well, you kind of keep taking pictures of yourself for? I mean, our culture is just taking picture after picture. There's no, it's like they go to a national monument. You go to the Grand Canyon, you know, and you see the Grand Canyon, and it's a marvelous, magnificent creation of God showing the power of water and earth, and here you see it, and somebody got their selfie right in front of it. They standing right in front of the Grand Canyon, so instead of seeing the Grand Canyon, you see uh, the person. Or they go up to Washington, D.C., the center of our nation, the, the, uh, the place where laws and rule comes from, and go to the great Washington Monument, and all you see is this thing on top of their head, and you see a selfie. Why are people staring at themselves so much? You know, in us on Greek mythology, there was once a young man who, who, who um, started sit, uh, well, he just started staring at himself. And he fell in love with himself. <laughs> and I tell you right now, you don't need to fall in love with yourself. Because if you do, you're in trouble. And the reason is, is we need to love Christ. Christ loves us. That is the love we need to receive. See, he says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like that man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the person who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. In other words, perfect is made good in practice, and practice is made good in the promise that we will find the way God would have us go. God has our preferred path. I got just a note this past week from a former intern I had on the Outer Banks. His name is Randy Timmerman. Uh, he's now in his third year of ministry in the Virginia Conference. And Randy is a fine young man. He's very smart, very intelligent. All of our interns are very smart and intelligent. Uh, and he wanted to touch base. And I told him to stay on the preferred path. I said, Randy, stay on the preferred path. And he knows what I was talking about in, in the email I sent back to him because we talked about this in depth and he was at a point where he was wondering if he would go ordination or he would go maybe academics. He wasn't sure where God was leading him. And I told him, God has a preferred path for you. And you need to look for signs that tell you what that preferred path is. I can tell you right now, God wants you to be in love with somebody. God wants you to have a significant other and to have your children and to have others in your family. God wants you to be loved and to love. That is part of that preferred path. God wants you to have a place where you can feel not only welcome, but you can feel a part of a church body, the body of Christ. 
That is a preferred path. God wants you to not just be happy, but to be filled with joy in your life. God wants you to have joy in your life. So when you look into the mirror, you don't see the reflections of a world that can never give you what you want. You see what God would have you see. You see the eternal instead of the temporary. Now the thing is that money tree, I spent that money within a week. That money was gone and that tree was thrown away. <laughs> but this gift that Christ gives, it keeps on giving. It's always there to be able to pay dividend, to return on investment when the times not only are tough and rough, but also when they're blessed and wonderful. Sisters and brothers, there's times that you just do not see the truth, I know. I was in the hills and every day had the staff, we had so many projects we had to do, I was so busy and one day I just, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, I just stopped a car, I pulled it beside the road and I looked at the mountains because I had lost sight of them a year before. Here I am living in the midst of beauty. Do not let it be that you do not pass by and see this beautiful place we have here on the hill. This wonderful pond that we have and the fields that we have and the homes and all the basketball goals that we have and the people we have. God is blessing us. And that's part of the promise. He says, if anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. In other words, if we lose sight of what God is doing at this moment, that's the moment that we lose sight of the gift that he is giving. Now, how will this gift be played out? How would it be? Well, every time we open it, we find something new. We find something new God has in store for us. He shows us a new avenue or a new way, a new understanding. He shows us a new purpose and a new gift. He shows us a new way to be loving and to be loved by others. He gives us a gift that never stops giving. And even until the day that we pass from this mortal shell, no matter, even the moment we pass, that gift continues to give and that promise is received in the perfect gift he gives that leads to eternal life. See, James is describing this. He's saying, I'm Jesus' brother, and I'm telling you how I dealt with him. Jesus kept giving every day he was love, and, and I'm, as a brother, I'm not adequate, but here I am to tell you, this is how you live as a Christian. This is how you live with Christ. You live as Christ gives you to live. In other words, if he gives you, you give to others. And the more you give to others, the more he gives to you. See, that's how it really works. If you take your 100% love and you hold it, you'll lose it. But if you take that love and you let it go, God will replace it and give you capacity for more. And suddenly you're not just doing the limited amount, you're doing the whole amount. God takes the little and he makes the lot. He takes, he takes the limited and he makes the unlimited. He takes the, the ones that think they're scarcity and he creates abundance. Abundance is a wonderful gift that he gives to us. Here we are at the new day where abundantly God is giving to us to do what needs to be done. And that's maybe why I'm so quiet at those preachers' meetings. Because they're not talking of abundance. They're talking of scarcity. They're talking of people who have limited faith in a world that seems to be turning the other way. And I don't see it that way. I see there's hope. 
I see that God is active and God is alive. And the reason I see that is I see it in you. I see hope within you. And that hope, it springs eternal. In fact, that's one that quotes Bobby Knight. The worst word in the English language is hope. I don't think his mama hugged him. I don't think his daddy took him to the back room and said, son, we're going to have a talk. You're going to be sunshine when you come out this door. If your shadows and your mama sees it, oh, you're going to be out there digging a hole. You're going to be cutting firewood. You're going to do chores till your back aches. There's already so much negativity. Let us look at the body of Christ and the way he would have us see it, which is of eternal hope. Amen. Uh, our service of Word and Table is Word and Table 3 on page 15. I uh, invite those who are helping me today to come forward on page 15. <clears throat>